Hello there, welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. For the people that are unaware of what this episode consists of, the Wrestling Highlights of the Week consists of me talking to you guys about the things that are happening within the world of professional wrestling, whether it comes from Impact Wrestling, uh, WWE, AEW, and occasionally from time to time, I talk about New Japan Professional Wrestling. Um, I'm just going to start off with TNA, but before I do that, it has... Come to my attention that I have forgotten to mention this, so I will bring this up to you now. If you are listening to this podcast on any of the notable podcast sites, whether it be Apple, Amazon, uh, Spotify, all that type of stuff, I would like for you to please subscribe and just click on the uh, button that says follow the podcast so you can just be up to date when the podcast drops. So whenever it drops, it'll go to your phone, you'll download it, and you'll be able to listen to it immediately when that time comes about. As I said, this has been brought to my attention, so I do need to uh, mention this up. So now that I've mentioned it, there you have it. Now, let me start off with TNA. TNA this week was pre-taped. Um, as I stated last week, talent still not uh, the happiest about Scott Demore being relieved of duty. Um, we saw this week on Twitter, you saw multiple talent uh, have a hourglass emoji set up. First start off with Josh Alexander, then some of the other talent started to follow up with that. We did not know as a fan what that meant. Some people were speculating that people are waiting for their contract to be up or uh, they're waiting for TNA to probably make the right decision to call Scott Demore back up before they do something. I have no idea. It was just real interesting to see that on Twitter this past week. Also on TNA's response... They would decide to pull an option in Josh Alexander's contract and they decided to extend his contract out. So Josh Alexander would not be leaving uh, Impact anytime soon. So that's what's going on with Josh Alexander. And that's a big thing because he's one of like the big major players in Impact TNA at the moment. So for him not to be leaving because TNA pulled that move, that's a big deal and Again, we all have to wait and see what's going to happen because they will be doing new tapings this weekend because they'll be having their TNA No Surrenders uh, showing if you're listening to this episode on a Friday because this is dropping earlier than I usually do it. Um, It'll be happening tonight, but if you listen to this episode on the weekend, it happened Friday night and now the tapings are happening Saturday and so on. So again, we'll have to wait and see what this new regime without Scott Demore will look like in TNA. So that's what's going on. Um, TNA, the actual episode of TNA Impact Wrestling this past week, it was a solid episode. It was building up to their No Surrender uh, event. I'll say the big thing probably to watch out for was the six-man main event tag. It was the system, which consists of the TNA heavyweight champion, Moose, uh, Brian Myers, and Eddie Edwards going against Kushida, Alex Shelley, and Kevin Knight. I like that six-man tag. Um, it started off slow, but it started to pick up towards the end. The system did get the win, so this does give Moose momentum into his match with Alex Shelley at No Surrender for the TNA uh, World Championship. And I just want to read you off the uh, match card for No Surrender, just so you guys can get an idea of what's on there. You have Chris Saban defending the X Division Championship against Mustafa Ali. You have Jordan Grace defending her TNA Knockouts World Championship against Giselle Shaw. You have Decay, which consists of Havoc and Rosemary defending their TNA Knockouts World Tag Team Championships against Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly. You have PCO going against Khan. You have Josh Alexander going against Simon Gotch. 
You have uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay defending their TNA World Tag Team titles against Grizzled Young Veterans. This is their best of three series. So this is the rubber match between both of these teams. So whoever wins this match is the TNA World Tag Team Champions. And then in the main event, you have Moose going against Alex Shelley. In Moose's corner will be his system cohorts, Eddie Edwards and Brian Myers. And in Alex Shelley's corner, he will have Kevin Knight and Kushida. And the rule for this match is if anybody from any side, whether it be Moose's side or Alex Shelley's side, interfere in this matchup, their person that they're managing will lose said match. So it's going to be real interesting to see what happens there. Um, so that's a match card for TNA No Surrender. Uh, anything being important else happened on TNA? Um, Ash by Elegance, formerly known as Dana Brooke in WWE, she made her debut. So it was going to be real interesting to see her probably continue on in TNA. Uh, I would like to see her probably be on commentary, maybe for the Jordan Grace Giselle Shaw matchup, because I don't think they're just going to just allow her just to wait and play the petty game. I think they're going to try to, uh, push her in a direction for the TNA Knockouts Championship rather sooner than later. I will say they probably need to just let her marinate, but with the character of Ash by Elegance, I can see them trying to have her be a person that has pomp and circumstances and saying that she demands a championship opportunity. So I can see that being the way it might go, but I have to wait and see. Um, anything else? I think that's basically the important parts of TNA. I mean, that's about it, to be honest with you. So next week, I'll talk about what happened on No Surrender from TNA's portion. But with that, that's my TNA portion of the show out of the way. Uh, I want to move over into WWE. WWE this week was pretty simple because uh, they already taped SmackDown, as you'll be watching tonight. Um, they taped NXT last week, which aired this week. So they aired that episode. And Raw this week was live. Um the big thing that happened on Raw was Cody Rhodes. He went against Drew McIntyre to begin the show. Uh, Cody was going to win, but interference from Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso uh, happened. Jimmy distracted the referee when Solo would get on the ring apron and hit Cody with a Samoan spike. And the interesting thing about this was after that happened, Drew McIntyre saw Solo Sokoa and the commentating team tried to make it seem that Drew McIntyre was happy to see Solo and call him a hypocrite because Drew McIntyre's whole thing is he hates the bloodline because the bloodline has constantly cost him their big, his big opportunities to win the big one. They've constantly been just like a pain in his butt. But now since they are targeting Cody, the commentating team would have you think that Drew was happy about this. No, if you actually watched the match and you saw Drew's face, he wasn't like, pleased, but he wasn't angry about it neither, because he has a mission. He has a mission to win the match against Cody. So he took that, he looked, and he was kind of like, ugh. And then he hit Cody with the Claymore kick to win the match. And then even after the match, he didn't look pleased by it. He was just, like, content, like, all right, this is what it is. So I like how the commentating team trying to spin it, because, again, Drew is a bad guy right now in the way that he's been presented. But... Drew McIntyre, the character, is still staying within his character range of he's not liking the bloodline, but he has to do what he has to do because his main goal right now is to be the world heavyweight champion. So he's not really focused on the bloodline, but he still hates them. Um, another big thing that happened on Raw this week was we were supposed to have a uh, 
last like chance match between all the ladies that lost their qualifying matches to be that last participant in the women's elimination chamber. But I think they decided to go against that and they did a women's battle royal. And the winner of the women's battle royal to be the last participant in the women's elimination chamber match would be Raquel Rodriguez. She would make her uh, re-debut or big surprise pop back to uh, the main roster because she was out with some type of, I want to say, skin condition that she was dealing with. And I believe she's still dealing with it now, but she's got it more handled under control. Um, She ends up winning the Battle Royal, so now she's in the Women's Elimination Chamber match. So now your participants for that said matchup is Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Tiffany Stratton, Naomi, and Raquel Rodriguez. Um, Another thing that happened on Raw was the main event, Jey Uso going against Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship. They had a good matchup. Uh, Jay Uso, he was about to win any kind of championship when he hit the Uso splash on Gunther, but the referee made the one, two, you start hearing the timekeeper bell just start dinging off and dinging and dinging. And once the camera panned over to see who was dinging it, you see a figure all in black and then take off the hoodie to avail himself. It's Jimmy Uso. Jimmy costs jay another championship matchup and this isn't jay's first time losing a championship opportunity because of jimmy uso for people that don't remember when jay went against roman reigns during the pandemic in 2020 they had a matchup at night of champions jimmy threw in the towel when jay got beat up like a lot by roman then they had a matchup following that uh the i quit match the hell in the cell roman in Jay. Jimmy tried to run up in there to make sure that Jay's head wouldn't get smashed by uh, Steel Steps. And then that's when Roman locked in, uh, I want to say, the not Coquina Clutch, no, it was a guillotine choke on Jimmy. Jay was passed out at the time, and then he started seeing it. Then he started trying to uh, snap Roman out of it. Then they, that's whenever he said, I quit. And that's how he lost that opportunity. Then you fast forward to last year's matchup at... Uh, I want to say it was SummerSlam. It was Jay and Roman yet again, the tribal combat. And when Jay looked like he was about to win it, Jimmy Uso, he popped up, he super kicks uh, Jay and cost him that match. And then when now you see fast forward, Jay's teaming with Cody, they're the tag champions. Jimmy would cost Jay that matchup and have him lose the tag titles there. And now you see him about to become Intercontinental Champion. And Jimmy once again screws his brother. It just seems that Jimmy just wants to be the reason why Jay is a champion. And he kind of said that after the match too, because once Gunther won the match when Jay was going to hit another Uso splash, but Jimmy, not Jimmy, uh, Gunther had his knees up and Jay's body would hit the knees, Gunther would roll him up, get the one, two, three. Jimmy got in the ring, started beating up on Jay, and he told him, I'm your big brother. You're never going to win gold without me. So it's a jealousy thing. I want to be the reason why you win gold. And if you're coming anywhere close to gold without me, I'm going to make sure you don't win it. That's basically the reason why Jimmy is going after Jay because he wants to be there for him and he wants to be not forgotten. So it's just that spotlight, don't forget me type deal that we got here. After that, you saw Jimmy uh, hit Jay with multiple Uso splashes. I believe it was like two before the uh, camera feed would go out. And that's how Raw will end. So you can already see where we're leading to Roy, not Roy Rumble, God, uh, WrestleMania. 
we're going to get the brother versus brother matchup. And again, this was something that they told us they wanted to do last year. Again, if you watch the Ariel Horani interview that Jimmy and Jay did before their match against Roman and Solo at Money in the Bank, they said they wanted to have a one-on-one matchup with one another at WrestleMania. They kind of told everyone this was kind of going to be the way, but I don't think people watched that interview. And now with hindsight being 2020, you can go back and actually see how they kind of were going to lay this thing out. So uh, we're going to get that match at WrestleMania, and I can't wait to see that one too because I think they're going to put on a nice, good uh, showing. Um, anything else important happen on Monday Night Raw? Nope. Moving over to NXT, uh, Obafemi he defeated Lexus King to retain his NXT North American Championship. Uh, we had a tag team matchup of Nathan Frazier and Axiom going against Chase U. Chase U would win that matchup, but after the match, the OC, which is Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, would attack both Chase U and Nathan Frazier and Axiom to stake their claim to be now in NXT for as long as they want, and they want to become the NXT Tag Team Champions. So we can expect them to probably get a matchup somewhere probably down the line, probably at the Stand and Deliver uh, event at WrestleMania weekend, more than likely. Uh, We had the... Situation with Shotzi when Shotzi went against uh, Lyra Valkyria and when she did an apron DDT and dropped down uh, Shotzi, she tore ACL. That's what happened. That happened last week, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Alba Fire took the spot of Naomi last week when Shotzi was supposed to go against uh, Naomi last week in a Elimination Chamber qualifying matchup on SmackDown, but that didn't happen because of. Shotzi tearing her ACL. So we finally got to see that happen here. We saw how they um, pivot from that matchup, and they still gave the fans there last week a championship matchup. Lyra still defended her NXT Women's Championship, but it was in an impromptu matchup against Lash Legend. So you saw both of those ladies compete, but Lyra would retain her NXT Women's Championship, and it was a good effort between both of the ladies because, again, it was impromptu. This was literally not on the card. It wasn't planned out. You could see it. They were just trying to fight their way through it, but they were able to make it out, so I applaud both of those ladies for that. And you saw the fans applaud both of them for that, and that's another thing I like about the NXT crowd. NXT crowd, they're homegrown. They're diehards. They're basically the same people that you see there every week on the show. So that tells you how much they care about the product, they care about the characters and people down there, and they resonate with what's happening. They know the story, they know everything, and when they saw this thing having to be pivoting to an impromptu match, and you saw them do the uh, standing ovation for the ladies, that shows you how much respect that that crowd had for them, so that was a nice little touch to see there. Uh, Anything else important happen on NXT? Uh, Tony D'Angelo, he's not going after the tag team titles anymore. He wants to be the actual Don of NXT. So you can see him probably going after the NXT championship somewhere down the line. Not nowhere close yet because, uh, Carmelo Hayes, he still wants the NXT t- uh, championship against Ilya. He still wants that championship. Ilya would tell Carmelo that he will get his championship matchup at Roblox, but before he gets that opportunity, there's one condition. He has to meet Ilya face-to-face next week. So that's what's set up for next week. Ilya Dragunov facing off against Carmelo Hayes. 
I still think, all within my heart, that we might get a triple threat match between Ilya, Carmelo, and Trick at Stand and Deliver. I think so. I think that's the most grateful way to do this. I think people might say, nope, we need to do the one-on-one with Trick and Carmelo. I think we could do that after the Stand and Deliver. I think Stand and Deliver needs to be a triple threat because Trick never got his rifle shot at the NXT Championship in a fair one-on-one match without someone actually trying to clip him the way that Carmelo Hayes did. Uh, Ilya, he wants to get his shot on Carmelo, and I think he wants to give a shot to Trick in a fair shot, and that's the way we can plan that out. And Melo, he can even use that as his advantage to say that, hey, why not? Why not do us in a triple threat match? You try to pull a wedge between us when we were together. Why not try to give us a triple threat match now? Do it. Since you're the Mad Dragon, do it if you're that courageous. So I still think we can get that triple threat match at Stand and Deliver. I think they might go the safe route of doing um, Ilya and someone else while Carmelo and Trick have their match at Stand and Deliver. But I think just storyline-wise, it would fit well for what's going to happen. And as I said, eventually we're going to get the Carmelo and Trick matchup, but I think at Stand and Deliver, it should be a triple threat for the NXT Championship because I don't know who you will put Ilya in the ring with for the NXT Championship as Stand and Deliver. You could say Tony D'Angelo, but I think that would be too soon. But, well, again, we'll just have to wait and see with that. Um, anything else with NXT? I don't think so. I think that hit the big points of NXT. So... Yeah, with WWE and NXT out of the way, now it's off to AEW. AEW this week, they had a nice uh, show, the beginning of the match. Well, the beginning of the show, you had a tag team matchup of FTR going against Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli. The tag team matchup was great. It went to a time limit draw, and both guys and both teams still wanted to battle one another, which would get us set up for a matchup at Revolution. So we're going to get a tag matchup of FTR and Blackpool Comic Club running this back. I can't wait to see that. Um, we had Daniel Garcia having his in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone, where Tony Schiavone will let Daniel Garcia know that at Revolution, he'll be going against Christian Cage for the TNT Championship. Daniel Garcia gave love to the fans, saying that he's been on a downward spiral, but he got that one, two, three at the Continental Classic, and ever since then, he's been on the well on the hill up of momentum thanks to the fans and everybody else that's been uh on his back and just cheering him on christian cage and his uh family will come out nick wayne luchasaurus and mother wayne christian cage he did his typical spiel he will go into the whole uh your father's dead stuff with daniel garcia list out Daniel Garcia's mother's address, talk about Daniel Garcia's mom. Daniel Garcia, he wouldn't like it. He would tell Christian Cage to get in the ring and let's handle this now. So Christian Cage, he would send Nick Wayne down there. He'll send Luchasaurus down there. They'll beat up on Daniel Garcia. Uh, Matt Menard, Magic, Daddy Magic, excuse me, will come down with a steel chair, attack Luchasaurus with it. He'll back Daniel Garcia up. So you'll see Nick Wayne Luchasaurus go up the ramp as Daniel Garcia and Daddy Magic is standing in the ring right there. So that set that up. So I can see Matt Menard in the corner of Daniel Garcia when Daniel Garcia goes against Christian Cage at Revolution for the TNT Championship. Um, 
We had Deanna Perrazzo going against Madison Rain. After uh, Tony Storm, she went against... I can't remember who she went against right now, but she had her matchup on Dynamite. But the big thing here was Deanna Perrazzo and Madison Rain, they had a one-on-one matchup, and there was a little snafu in that match when Deanna Perrazzo was going to hit Madison Rain with a flatliner. And during that move, it's supposed to be just a straight face-like bump. You're supposed to just drop your face to the mat, but you just turn your face sideways. Instead, Madison Rain accidentally tucked her chin, and when in the process of that, she landed like skull first onto the mat, and it just looked nasty when she did it, and it had everyone concerned. People on Twitter were concerned. You saw the commentators concerned. You saw the medic come to the ring to try to look at Madison Rain to make sure she's okay. And Madison Rain, she was okay. She was still able to continue the matchup. And Deanna Peraza, she would lock in an ankle lock on Madison Rain, and Madison would tap out. But again, that was a scary moment there. Madison Rain would tweet out on Thursday saying that she is okay. And she thanked everyone who was uh, concerned about her. So Madison Rain, she's okay. She's fine. But again, people, wrestling is predetermined, but the people doing those uh, moves in that ring, they do take risk in there. Madison Rain, by the grace of God, is not paralyzed. She could have easily been paralyzed right there because if you saw it in the way that her head hit the mat, the way that the neck was bent, it could have really went nasty. And she could have basically snapped her neck. So I'm glad that didn't happen there. Um, but again, don't try that stuff at home. And be courteous to the wrestlers too. Don't call their stuff fake. And I hate to pivot off of that. I have to pivot a little bit because it's been a trend. Uh, WWE, they're in Australia. And for some reason, Australian media wants to piss off the wrestlers. A good couple weeks ago, when Grayson Waller and LA Knight were doing a promotional uh, media for the Elimination Chamber, and person in the media on television tried to say, hey, do a wrestling move on me. And that kind of caught the people, LA Knight and Grayson Waller, by surprise. Like, hold up, you trying to mess with me right now, right? Grayson Waller mourned LA Knight because LA Knight, he's a pro. He's done this for many years. He's not going to really just go at the people like this. Grayson Waller, he took offense to that because he takes offense to what they're doing and calling their sport something not realistic, fake. And he took offense to that. So that's that situation happened there. And this week, as the wrestlers are in Australia, you had Austin Theory. He is doing promotion. And you had another person, not on television this time, but a person that is a magazine editor or newspaper editor, one or two. And they uh, try to get at it with Austin Theory and call what he does fake. And Austin Theory, he wanted to smack the crap out of homeboy. And there's a video circulating of the event happening. I just want people in the media and people in real life to know the wrestlers, they know what's happening, but do not call their stuff fake. They have to have surgery. They have to have uh, fixes on their body. They take, if you want to just look at the history of wrestling, look at the people that have died from doing the stuff that they're doing in that ring. Look at the wrestlers that have died from heart attacks, uh, drug overdoses because of all the massive painkillers that they have to take because of their bumps and bruises that their body are accumulating on a day-to-day 
night to night, month to month, year to year basis, and they just recently, and I'm saying this with all sincerity, they just recently just started to pull back on the wrestlers' dates. At one point, it was literally the wrestlers would wrestle day in, day out. They only get like one or two days off. And in that off time, they would literally have to go home, do whatever bills they had to pay, like clean their clothes and then literally get back on the road again to then go and do their job. They just recently just started to pull back on that. And you don't see them on the road as much as they used to be back in the early 2000s, in the 90s, in the 80s. The wrestlers now are starting to be able to take care of their bodies more. We're having to have to use painkillers and all that type of stuff. So do not call what they do fake. If you want to try to be cheeky, you can be cheeky and say predetermined. And they'll get what you're trying to do there and they'll play along. But do not try to call what they do fake. Don't do that. That's disrespectful to the craft because they can easily be paralyzed at any moment. They can snap a finger. They can snap a bone. They can do all that stuff within a glimpse because they're doing something on <laughs> on wood planks that's covered by thin foam mats, which is crazy when you think about it, but it's the truth. So please do not call their stuff fake. Please have respect for the wrestlers and the performers doing what they're doing. Please. And if you want, Go into a wrestling ring and ask to take a bump. I guarantee you, you taking a bump won't feel good. Have them body, body slam you and do all that type of stuff. Trust me, I guarantee you, you won't be calling it fake. You'll say, by God, this stuff sucks. Um. Anyway, off that side note there, I just want to give people the respect that they need and give people that PSA right there. Don't call what they do fake. Please don't do that. And also, thank God Madison Rain is not uh, hurt. Anyway, back on to what AEW had this week. Uh... In the main event, you had Swerve, Samoa Joe, Brian Cage going against Hook, RVD, and Hangman Page. Um, you had the stare down between Swerve and Hangman. Hangman is still obsessed with Swerve. Swerve still wants to get a Hangman. Samoa Joe being the world champion who has to face both of those guys at Revolution for a triple threat. He just kind of let it go for a little bit until he had to basically handle it because Swerve is his teammate. So you saw Swerve and Joe work together to uh, put a beating on Hangman. Um, RVD and Hook, they would do their thing. Brian Cage, they would do their thing. But more, this match was more focused on basically the three guys that are involved in that triple threat for the AEW World Championship at Revolution, Joe, Hangman, and Swerve. And at the end, you saw uh, Samoa Joe wanted to put Hangman in the muscle buster and wanted to connect with it, but Hangman would reverse out of it, and he would land on his feet. But when he did that, he kind of buckled, and you saw him holding his foot. He had to tag out to RVD, roll out of the ring. RVD would get caught in a coquina clutch by Samoa Joe and uh, pass out. That would give the win to Joe, Swerve, and Brian Cage. At the end of AEW, you saw the camera kind of flash over to Joe, flash over to Hangman. Hangman would tell the camera guy not to... Uh, record him as he's holding his foot. So this could probably put a damper on that triple threat match at Revolution. And at the time, nobody knows if he's hurt or not, if it's playing up to a storyline or not. Nobody knows. Probably we'll find out next week on Dynamite because next week is their last uh, episode going into Revolution. So that's their go-home episode next week. So it's going to be real interesting to uh, see how they play that out. Um... 
But that was the end of Dynamite. Anything else to happen else on Dynamite? Oh, yeah. Sting. Sting and Darby Allen, they had their promo. And Sting, he talked with all sincerity. He mentioned why he wasn't there last week on Dynamite because his father just passed away. So he had to take some time. And he mentioned how he has been dealing with his own mortality. And he talked about how when he won the AEW Tag Team titles with Darby and he had his sons in the ring with him, how nobody ever touched his flesh and blood until the Young Bucks did. So now the Bucks are in for a fight of their lives come revolution. And the big major thing to go into that as well is, I forgot to mention this, but now I just remembered, Ric Flair. Ric Flair, he was supposed to be with Sting for Sting's retirement tour, but we haven't seen Ric Flair for a good, I'll say a month. Ric Flair, he popped up on this episode of Dynamite. He was stopped by Rene Paquette. He talked about his frustrations of not being here for a month. He talked about how when he came to AEW to be with Sting for his retirement, he thought he would be around. He thought he would be around Sting more, but that hasn't happened. And he just mentioned how he just wasn't liking it. And you see him walk away. Uh, Flair, he would knock on a door and inside the door who will open it was the Bucks. Matt, or excuse me, Matthew Jackson and Nicholas Jackson, they would open the door, they would look at Flair, say, what do you want? Flair said, I would like to talk to you for a minute. So you see Flair get in the uh, room with the Bucks and the door was shut. So we'll have to wait and see next week on Dynamite. What's happening? Is Flair now with the Bucks? Is this some type of ruse? I have no idea. Nobody knows. So that's the nice little uh, caveat that they put onto that match at Revolution to figure out what Ric Flair is going to be doing. Um, also, I forgot to mention this. And how would I forget? Warlow. Warlow had a nice, interesting promo on Dynamite this week. Warlow finally talked up and he talked for the people that has been backing him, that has been supporting him. I'll say for the past, what, two years now. Warlow mentioned how he was supposed to be on top of the mountain, on top of the world, at least supposed to be the world champion by now. But somehow the plans got derailed. He doesn't know how that happened. He mentioned how two years ago when he got the biggest win of his career and how he had the rocket strapped to his back, it seemed that someone turned that rocket upside down and he started to plummet. He mentioned how he beat the guy who was the real world champion, the best in the world, he put a beating on him so bad that his body never recovered and that his body is still trying to recover from the beating that he gave him. And he's talking about CM Punk and he's talking about Punk's body is deteriorating right now because Punk got injured at the Royal Rumble and all that kind of happened thanks to Warlow. So Warlow's taking credit for that. He mentioned how he beat uh, MJF, but he doesn't say MJF. He says, I also beat the guy that says that I'm better than you and you know it. And where is he at? Nowhere to be found right now. He also mentioned that he beat the AEW world champion because whenever him and Joe got in the ring, he put Joe to sleep. And he basically says, anybody that comes in his way now is basically just dead meat. You guys are all now living in Warlow's world. This is war. So Warlow is putting Joe, he's putting Swerve, he's putting Hangman, he's putting everybody on notice that he's gunning for that world championship and nobody's going to stop him. 
And I like seeing that from Warlow. He talked for all the people that literally were trying to figure out for the past two years what the hell AEW as a creative team was doing with Warlow. And I get it. Warlow was injured sometime in 2023. I get it. But 2022, after he beat MJF at Double or Nothing, my man was supposed to be up there. He was supposed to be start going up to the moon. He was supposed to start going after the world championship. That was literally his next destination. I get it. They gave him the TNT title, and that seemed like that was the right path to build him up to the world championship. But that literally led him nowhere. Yeah, he got into a feud with Samoa Joe. Yeah, he got into a feud with Powerhouse Hobbs. But where else did that take him? It took him nowhere. So... To see this side of Warlow, to see him talk about that, to see him just be open about it and say, yo, dog, I'm next up. I don't care. I'm next. I like seeing that. And hopefully we get more of that from Warlow uh, here on out. Um, anything else? I think that's about it from the Dynamite side and the AEW side in general. I like what they're doing with AEW. They're still building on Orange Cassidy, uh, wanting to defend his international championship leading up to his match with Roger Strong at Revolution. I like how they're doing that and how it's going to be easy picking for Roderick to beat Orange Cassidy to become the AEW International Champion at Revolution. So they're still continuing on with that story. I like that. Um, anything else with AEW? Oh, yeah. Not to mention Queen Amanada. She had her first win on Rampage last week. She beat Anna J. So... Amanada got her first win. I like that. I like Queen Amanada. I like her whole uh, presentation. I just like her in general. So for her to get that win after she's been putting in the work constantly, you see her in the ring week in, week out, whether it be on Dynamite or Rampage or even Collision, you see her there. She always comes so close to winning. And for her to finally get that win on Anna J last week, it felt nice. So I hope that he continue doing more with Queen Amanada, seriously. But uh, anything else on AEW Radar? I don't think, I think that's about it. Um, I'll probably talk to you guys about Revolution next week because, again, Revolution is next week. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, moving on for that, I do got to get into Elimination Chambers uh, review before I get into the Superstar of the Week. So let's get on to the Chamber. Uh, there's only four matches there. They might add one more. Again, I'm dropping this on a Friday. We'll wait and see if they do something. I don't think they are. But So we're going to go with these four here that they do have listed so far. For the tag team titles, it's Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Damian Priest going against Preet Dunn and Tyler Bate. I'm going to say the Judgment Day. I think they're still doing this whole thing where R-Truth and The Miz are going to form back up Awesome Truth. They're going to have this match at WrestleMania, and they're going to win the tag titles off of Judgment Day so they can have Awesome Truth, more specifically Truth, have a feel-good moment, and also give Miz something, because Miz has been in the WWE for so long now, and he's been kind of underappreciated. So I think they want to do something nice for Miz as well. Um, so I think that's where they're going with this. So Finn Balor and Priest, they're going to retain their tag titles. That's where I think it's going to happen. Uh, Rhea Ripley going against Nia Jax for the Women's World Championship. This is an easy one. Rhea Ripley's going to win this. Nia Jax is going to put on a hell of a fight with Rhea because this is going to be Rhea's hometown, her home 
uh, country more than Nia Jax, even though Nia Jax was born in Australia as well. Rhea Ripley just more known synonymous with being in Australia. So I think Nia Jax is going to get a nice bit of offense off on Rhea Ripley, but Rhea is ultimately going to win and retain her Women's World Championship, and she would defend that championship at WrestleMania, uh, leading into the Women's Elimination Chamber match to see who will be facing Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. We have Becky, Bianca, Liv, Tiffany, Naomi, Raquel. We have a lot of different people who could do this. We could go with the Liv Morgan aspect because Liv got injured by Rhea Ripley, and she could go after Rhea because of that. We can go with the Raquel factor. Raquel is strong. She has a history with Rhea Ripley down at NXT. They have a friendship and all that type of stuff that could play into WrestleMania. They could do that. Or we're going to go with the more logical instance and the more logical choice because they've been building this up for weeks upon weeks. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch has been constantly uh, coming out saying how she can't wait to face Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. And they had the face-off at the WrestleMania press conference. I think that's where we're all going to get. So Rhea Ripley going against Becky. Becky winning the uh, women's chamber match. I think that's going to happen. I think Tiffany's going to have a great showing. I think Naomi's going to have a great showing. I think Bianca's definitely going to have a great showing. I think Bianca might even uh, throw Liv into some of the chamber, like, wall, like the steals a little bit. I think that might happen, but ultimately Becky is going to win that chamber match, and we're going to get Becky and Rhea at the elimination. No, not the elimination chamber. God, WrestleMania for <laughs> the Women's World Championship. Then this will lead us into the main event, the men's elimination chamber, to see who will go against Seth for the World Heavyweight Championship. We have Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Bobby Lashley, LA Knight, Kevin Owens, Logan Paul. The more obvious choice would be someone like a Drew McIntyre. Because again, Drew McIntyre, he's on a career resurgence. Him doing this whole uh, Bret Hart 1997, being the guy that's telling you guys morally that he's right but just doing it in the most crybaby, obnoxious, player-hater type of way of doing it. This has done wonders for Drew McIntyre, making the people actually care about Drew McIntyre again. Uh, I think Drew winning this will be perfect because, again, he got robbed of the WrestleMania moment at WrestleMania uh, in 2020 and also WrestleMania 2021 when he go against Bobby Lashley. He got robbed of it there, but it was is what it is with that. So I think this will be the right time to uh, give him back that matchup in that moment. Uh, Randy Orton, I don't see him winning this at all. Him going against Seth, I don't see that. Bobby Lashley, he's kind of in a thing with Kevin Cross right now. Uh, or Karrion Cross, excuse me, in the Final Testament. So I don't think they're going to do that. LA Knight, I think they have him and Logan Paul probably stated for a United States Championship matchup at uh, WrestleMania. Kevin Owens, no, I don't see him winning that neither. So I see Drew McIntyre winning this to be the guy going against Seth. And I think that's what's going to happen. And also they're going to have the Grayson Waller effect of Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. I think that's going to be the platform there to set up probably a tag matchup with Rock and Roman probably at what? WrestleMania. And if it's not Roman to team up with The Rock, I can see Solo Sokoa. I can see Solo and The Rock teaming up to go against uh, Cody and Seth 
on night one of WrestleMania. That's just my thing. We might not even get no tag matchup, but if The Rock's showing up at WrestleMania, I think he's going to wrestle and do some type of uh, athletic thing. So I would do him in some type of tag matchup. So that's my thing. I would think Cody will have no problem wrestling two nights. It'll just show how much of a ferocious man he is. So I think that's what they want to try to do and show his uh, testicular fortitude. So that's why I think what might happen at the Elimination Chamber when it goes down with the Grayson Waller effect of uh, Cody and Seth. So with that, that was my Elimination Chamber uh, predictions there. And now with that predictions out of the way, it's time for me to show appreciations and time for me to give flowers to a person that I feel that deserves their flowers. And again, I do want to let these people be known that I did steal this concept, this segment right here uh, from the Public Enemy podcast where they, on Black History Month, they nominate a professional wrestler every week to give their flowers to, show their appreciations to. I stole that concept from them and I just want to acknowledge that and give credit to them. But now doing that, the superstar I want to give flowers to this week is Mark Henry. Mark Henry, uh, I think everybody knows who he is. He was the world's strongest man. He was sexual chocolate. Pause for me to even say that, but hey man, that was one gimmick that really got over completely, especially with the theme song. You play the theme song now, it's so stupid, but it's so worked. It's so 90s, the way of the Attitude Era for Mark Henry, but it worked, and it still works to this day. Um, Mark Henry, he, let me just read read his accolades here. He's a uh, European champion. He was a two-time world champion, one being ECW champion, one being a world heavyweight champion. He won the inaugural Arnold Strongman Classic in 2002. He's a three-time U.S. national weightlifting champion, an American Open winner, a U.S. Olympic Festival champion, and an NACAAC champion. He holds multiple uh, champions in the weightlifting uh, community. I mean, my guy has been out here. Mark Henry, he was out here and to top it off, he is a WWE Hall of Famer. He got inducted in 2018. Dude, Mark Henry is the real deal. He came in being the real deal. He came in as just being the guy that just came from the Olympics doing all these types of things and at first, when he came to WWE, he came in literally being like the red, white, and blue guy. Something that never works, something that never gets over. The only person who was ever actually able to make that type of thing get over was Kurt Angle. But Mark Henry, at that time, he was still new. He was still green. You could see it. And uh, he tried his best, okay? Then they had to revamp him. He went over to do the Nation of Domination with Farouk, The Rock. Uh, the Godfather, D'Lo Brown, and I think that's where everybody started to really pay attention to Mark Henry and the Nation of Domination right there. And then that was able to get him to transition into the sexual chocolate stuff of the straight-up attitude era. And again, me saying that as a dude, I gotta say pause after that, uh, which was a ladies' man character. I mean, he had the romance angle with China. He had the infamous uh, angle with <laughs> May Young, where she gave birth to a hand. It was so outrageous, but that type of stuff worked in Attitude Era. Then he dips off, 
goes away and he comes back again being in being introduced as the world's strongest man. I think people started to really pay attention to him technically more was what? When he came back, I want to say the year was was it 2007? This is the year when he came back, he beats up on the Undertaker with uh, a steel door. He beats up beats him up, puts the Undertaker out on the shelf a little bit and you see just Mark Henry start to be on television much more. That's whenever I started to really pay attention to Mark Henry. Ninja Domination stuff was cool. Sexual Chocolate was cool, but I was I was like a kid kid when that stuff happened. When he started doing the stuff to The Undertaker and Batista and all that, that's when I started to really focus in on Mark Henry. Like, okay, this is a big, bad dude. Like, yo, this guy is strong than a mug. What's up with man's over here? So you start seeing him get these opportunities and be in these spots. Um, he does what he does, but it's not really he's not really marketed as being the strong guy, being that force that I feel that he should have been. So then they go another route with him. They, you know what? We go over and send him over to ECW. He goes to ECW, he wins the ECW championship. He held the ECW championship for a good good amount of time. I'm going to say that. He held it for a good amount of time. He has Tony Atlas as his, uh, straight up his manager. Tony Atlas being another strong guy, you would kind of think that kind of would made the correlation of strong man being managed by another strong man. Come on now, this is something that you can't fear, but again, being ECW, not being too cared for by people, people miss that. So he holds on to the championship. He holds on to it for a good bit, loses it. Okay, cool. They don't know what to do with him. All right, fine. They send him over to Raw. And then guess what? He starts teaming up with, I want to say, his MVP. And now they have Mark Henry being a good guy again. Mark Henry does the good guy stuff with MVP. And then long story less long, we finally get the Hall of Pain. He ends up beating Randy Orton. He ends up doing the Hall of Pain stuff, which everybody would straight up hold in honor as this being Mark Henry's big time position where the spotlights really flashed and focused on him. He just got done brutalizing Big Show. He just got done start beating up on all the big men. He beats up Sheamus. He wins the War Heavyweight Championship. He's doing all the pain stuff. Nobody can touch him. Nobody can beat him because he's this big, scary, brutal force that should have been presented in this whole manner, his whole entire career during the whole late 2000s. But he's finally getting it. He's finally getting the respect. He's finally getting that opportunity to be the guy, which, by God, how many world's strongest mans do you got in WWE? Not much. Matter of fact, you only got one is Mark Henry. Should have been that way anyway, but I digress. Me being a fan here, they even have Mark Henry and Big Show recreate the whole brick in the ring spot that Big Show did with Brock Lesnar, I believe, what, 2002, 2003? Of uh, them superplexing and breaking the ring. Cool. And they bring that into the video games thanks to <laughs> Mark Henry and Big Show. Uh, Mark Henry, he holds on to the World Weight Championship as much as he can until he. Uh, has to drop the title. Cool. And then guess what? We finally get his, I want to say his magnum opus. 
the big thing that I think everybody will remember Mark Henry for, not just the Hall of Pain. He goes into his whole fake retirement speech. He gets the fake retirement speech with John Cena. I want to say what? Was it 2013? He does that whole situation where he says that, yo, I'm leaving. I'm about to retire. He does the whole thing. Nobody knows what's going on. He teases it. He goes to social media. He has everybody in a frenzy. They give him the moment on Raw for him to just cut this emotional style of promo saying that he's leaving. He's going home to be with his wife and children. And everybody in the arena is clapping it up for Mark. Everybody is just feeling it. And you get John Cena there. John Cena goes to give him a hug. Mark gives him the world's strongest slam. And then he cuts it and says, hey, yo, I still got more in the tank. And he gets a match with John Cena at Money in the Bank for the WWE Championship. Sadly, he ends up losing because, hey, WWE got to do WWE with John Cena at the time. But uh, Mark, just in that way, just to pull off two big things, literally back to back when you think about it. He just got doing the world strongest, um, the world, the Hall of Pain thing. He just got done doing that, just getting off of that right there, doing that, right? And then he goes straight off into the AEO, I'm about to retire stuff. That's insane. That's two back-to-back things that I don't think a lot of people give enough credit to how Mark Henry was able to pull that type of stuff off. Mark Henry is that guy, and I think that he should be credited with that, and I think he should be credited with this as well. He was the guy that constantly likes to bring people in to the wrestling business. He goes out there, he does the Gerald Briscoe type thing, try to scout people. Infamously, he's known for bringing in uh Bianca Belair into the wrestling business. And also, I didn't know this until I listened to Mark Henry on uh, the Bust Open uh, podcast with Dave LaGreca. He mentioned how, in a way, he got Jay Cargill into the wrestling business. He had her train up with, I believe my man's name was uh, Rip Rogers. He told him to put her through the ringer because he was trying to actually get her out of the wrestling business. And nope. She stayed on, so if it wasn't for that, Jay Cargo wouldn't be would not be where she is right now in the wrestling business. She wouldn't have started it up. So Mark Henry got to be a guy that you got to thank for Jade to even be in the WWE, be in the wrestling business right there. Uh, Mark Henry, he's doing AEW now. I would like to see Mark Henry be a presence on AEW with someone like a Powerhouse Hobbs. I would Powerhouse Hobbs and his whole dynamic with. Um, with Don Callis is cool, but with someone like a Mark Henry backing Powerhouse Hobbs, showing him how to be an angry guy, literally being an angry black coach for Will Hobbs on AEW television, like giving him that motivation whenever Will Hobbs needs to break someone, that would be fire. Mark Henry still could pull that type of stuff off, and I feel that they're kind of not using him on television when they could. So I hope they change that up. I know he's a coach somewhere backstage giving advice to the young talent and all that type of stuff. But I would like to see more Mark Henry on my television instead of just being the guy that holds the microphone for Rampage and saying, now it's time for the main event. And for the last little bit of episodes on Rampage, I haven't been seeing him even do that. So them just having Mark Henry in the back, just coaching up the 
people. I understand that's cool, but I think Mark Henry should be more presented on AEW television more. Be with a Will Hobbs. Be with someone like a Keith Lee when he comes back. Be with even a private party being like a big force for them. I mean, he can do a lot of different things for AEW talent on television just being just there and being that motivation guy. But it's all to what AEW wants to do. But they have a gym in their possession right now in Mark Henry. But again, that's just my personal feelings on Mark Henry and his how I feel about Mark Henry. And I just quickly ran down his career. But if you want to know more, you trust me, you can just watch the YouTube stuff. You can go to Peacock. You can do all that type of stuff. Mark Henry also holds a lot of uh, powerlifting records. He was a lot of them. If you go to the Wikipedia page and just look at it, he has a lot of those records. I mean, dude, he is a different type of athlete. He literally is, and I don't like to use freak like that, but he is a legit freak of nature when it comes down to strength. This guy is different, different. And for him to be put in the wrestling bubble, for him to be a fan, for him to want to do this when in reality he could have really just start squashing people like for real for real that takes a lot of humbleness and a lot of meekness and mark henry was able to do that he was literally one of the most giving guys because i ain't gonna lie to you if i was a strong guy like mark henry there is no chance in hell i am doing a job i am losing to some people that mark henry had to lose to i would really put my foot into production into creatives but to make them have me be a world champion a lot faster than Mark. I really would have, but that tells you again the type of man that Mark Henry is. He's a meek man. He's a humble man. He really waited his time and really took that, even though that came into his later part of his career. I think that they should have capitalized on it way earlier, but it it is what it is. So, again, everyone, pay respect to Mark Henry. Pay homage or homage to mark henry seriously he really does deserve your flowers like legit how many strong men do you have in the world of professional wrestling like mark henry not many probably a slight few he might just literally be the only one but give that man his flowers give that man his respect and again aew since you have him under contract use him have him be on television you guys are about to have this thing called AEW uh, Revolution, where I believe it was like the meat competition, where it's basically all the big hefty dudes, big uh, powerlifting, like jack dudes in one ring. I know Warlow and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs in it. God, have Mark Henry around the ring, or at least on commentary for this freaking thing. And then this could kick off Mark Henry literally trying to be the guy to manage freaking Powerhouse Hobbs. There you go. I just gave you something for free right there. Do that. Please put Mercury on TV, have him be a coach on television, and literally have him start building up powerhouse hops, because that's another guy that deserves something on TV. But I'll get into that whenever I talk about that next week on Revolution Time. But use Mark Henry. Do right and give Mark Henry his flowers. Wrestling community, please do that. Please do so. Now, with that being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week. Before I get you guys out of here, self-promotion time. If you have not listened to my midweek episode, uh, it is up there right now. I talk about Trump selling his shoes, and I think that's preposterous, but that's up there, and he's doing that now. I talk about the YouTube uh, mommy blogger who's getting uh, up to 60 years in prison. 
And also I play the song of the week. Song of the week for this week is that Mexican OT featuring the baby Port Em Out. So you can listen to all that on the midweek episode. And also my Sunday episode will be dropping Sunday. That's still going to happen. That's still being remain on schedule. But Saturday, I will be dropping my Elimination Chamber review after I get done watching it. That's the reason why this episode came out on a Friday. So, with that being said, this is this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast. I love you all. Have a great rest of your day. You'll hear from me again Saturday and Sunday. I love you all. God bless. Everybody,